0: Welcome to the Expert Gold Radio Show, which shows you how to grow your business by leveraging your expertise. Become an authority, build a community, and sell with respect. Now here's your host, Nihon Pereira, for this month's show.
1: Welcome to the April 2012 episode of the Expert Gold Radio Show. So this month we'll be talking about writing and publishing high-quality content, both in terms of positioning yourself as an authority and selling it in the form of eBooks. So our feature interview this month is with business consultant John Hyman, who's a client of mine, and he talks about the amazing power of article marketing as a way of attracting qualified visitors to your website. Then we'll look at one formula for writing high-quality articles, which would be great if you don't think of yourself as a writer. And then we'll look at the impact of eBooks on our reading habits, and then I'll talk about some events coming up that will help you with publishing your eBook. So let's get right into the feature interview with John. This is Guihan Pereira and I'm speaking with John Hyman and we're, today we're talking about article marketing. John's a client of mine, actually quite a long-term client of mine. Uh, we've known each other for quite a while and I know that John uses articles a lot as part of his marketing mix in his business and so he's very kindly agreed to share some of the things that he's learned, some of his experiences uh, in how to make the best, best use of article marketing. So welcome, John. Yeah, hello, Gihan. Hello, everybody. So, so, John, who are you and how did you get involved with article marketing? Let's start with that.
2: Uh, It's an interesting question, Gihan. Well, firstly, just to say who I am, uh, I specialize in uh, maybe one particular niche overall, which happens to be commercial real estate. That's my speciality. I I deal with commercial real estate agents both in Australia and around the world. Uh, And that is uh, my market, and and I can offer offer a lot of value in that. Now, of course, as you know, Gihan, over the years, I've had a variety of website strategies associated with commercial real estate and that was fine. Somewhere about, around about two or three years ago I I heard about article marketing. Now I really can't say how I heard about it but maybe it was something I read. Uh, I know at the time I finished up going into one of the big article sites and as it happens it was uh, EasyInArticles.com, and I started to say well what's going on here and And really, Gihan, that's what got me started. I I went there and I thought, what's going on here? What are they doing? And up until then I'd had a number of websites doing something and the websites were okay but nothing extraordinary. Um, But, however, when I took on article marketing and and modelling myself around article marketing, uh, radical changes occurred. So, of course, that's really what I can share today with uh, the people that are on the session.
1: Yes, that's that's really interesting because I, I remember... 15 years ago when I started my business, one of the things, uh, some of the advice that I was given was write some articles and at the time like fax them or post them to your top clients and use that as a way of building authority. So the idea of using, marketing, uh, using articles for marketing purposes has been around for a long time. But what specifically do you mean when we'd, uh, in the context of our conversation here, John, in terms of article marketing? Is it something that you're only talking about online or you think of a broader, a broader context as well?
2: Specifically, I'm talking about online article marketing and most particularly as a marketing tool. Uh, It works extremely well for me and I know it works very well for a number of other people on the internet and indeed probably some people listening to us now, Gihan, would would say that article marketing is something they are aware of. Uh, I'd be interested to know, of course, uh, whether they consider they're using it well or whether they're doing it at all. Uh, My my recommendation is that they seriously consider it if they have a desire to improve their internet footprint. And I'll explain as we go along as to how that comes about. But Articles are articles that you write for the internet and they are written to go on to some article uh, websites and the articles that you write are written by you so you have the let's say the originating source of that article, uh, when you put them up on the the websites, those articles can be uh, taken by other people and then they can be used. But the rules of those article uh, sites is that when people use your information, they have to refer back to you as the expert, the originator of the article, and they have to give you a link back from their site or wherever they use the information. So... In saying all of that, article marketing has a huge opportunity to firstly spread your expertise around the Internet if you truly do drill down in your niche. And then secondly, if people think that you're really good at what you're doing, uh, you get an enormous number of link backs uh, for your own website and your, for your own name. So those are the two reasons you should do article marketing. Back to you. Okay, so that's quite interesting because you talked about a couple of the benefits there and
1: at the moment there's a trend for content creation and everyone's going on, including me, going on about how it's really important to create content because that's what people are looking for online. And it seems like articles are a great way to to, uh, create your content
2: and then use it for marketing purposes on places other than your website. Yes, Gihan, that's true. And if indeed you have a very specific niche, Uh, then article marketing is a very good tool to use. Now, I've observed many people in the article marketing arena over the last two years, and I know that some of them are very good at what they do. Indeed, I was reading uh, an internet-related book the other day, and one of the first points in uh, a list of experiences by some very good people, uh, someone said, ignore article marketing at your peril. Mm-hmm. And and that's very much the case. I know there's a lot of uh, social uh, marketing tools for the Internet today, but I would rank article marketing above those, and that's my opinion. But in my niche, article marketing works significantly strongly, and I think it, it serves the, uh, let's say, the expert, the niche provider, the, the person who sells information products on the web, I think it suits them very well, providing they get their head around what needs to be done. And perhaps if I go a bit further here, Hannon, I'll let this, summarise what I do. Uh, so article marketing, to me, if you're going down the article marketing path, you've got to decide what you're doing it for. Mm-hmm. Are you specifically wanting to get a lot of link backs or are you specifically wanting to be seen as the expert to generate subscribers for your site and therefore potential sales in your pipeline there's two different ways to look at it and you do need to make a decision up front if you're specifically in it for a number of link backs then you probably want to put hundreds and hundreds of articles out there and spread them into many different article uh, related websites and If your content is good, then people will take your content from those various article sites, and I'm talking about maybe 50 or 100 Mm -hmm. article sites, and by them taking your content and then loading it to their website because it's relevant content, it gives you a lot of link backs. Now, that's not my business model, and I prefer to go the other direction. Uh, I prefer to say, right, I'm the expert. I have information that people can use and I would rather take a benefit out of article marketing which is that uh, people can come to my website and they can join my subscription list and if they are comfortable with my sales pipeline then that indeed turns into some form of uh, eventual sale depending on what sort of information I have available. So to me the, the pipeline and the sale is more important than having link backs to my site and in saying that Gihan I'll say one more thing. The the benefit of good articles will give you link-backs anyway. Now, it's if you could write a number of articles and put them up as fresh, unique articles to the main uh, article websites, maybe three to five of them at the most, and consistently do that, you will get good link-backs anyway. But the main thing is from the top article sites you will get subscribers who want to know about you and subscribe to your uh, list from your website. And when you take on board an article marketing model like that, you do get far more subscribers than you've ever had before. The only question beyond that is, how do you then convert them into sales if you sell information product? So that's really where I'm coming from and I hope everybody understands that. So what you're saying, John, is that the, the link-back strategy is more of a
1: numbers game, where you try to get into as many article directories as possible, which encourages, which which gives people the access to your articles, which means that there are more people going to add the article to their website, and therefore you're going to get more links back to your site. And that is the intent of that
2: to boost your Google search ranking? Is that the reason that you're looking for those link-backs? That's the only reason you would do it, Gihan. And if you felt that having... Uh, the search engines look at all the links back to your site, if that was important to you, then uh, getting, if you could put one one article out on 50 or 60 sites, which is what some people actually do, uh, then they get the link back value. But Google doesn't rank them very highly because of that, because Google actually sees the same article in so many different locations and discounts the value of the article. So... That goes back to the principle of article marketing. If you're doing it for the right principle, and I guess I'm a bit biased here, but Mm -hmm. the right principle to me is to show people that you are an expert. What actually happens is when you write a good article, people find the article on the article search engines or the search sites, sorry, and they can see that you know what you're talking about. On that basis, they're half converted before they get to your website. They're actually uh, well on the way to know that you are the right person that they should be listening to regards expertise. Now, uh, that being said, it's a strategy, it's a strategy of marketing. But if you were to just load articles to your own website, certainly that does have value as far as Google seeing that you're increasing your content all the time, but the spiders on your sites, the spiders that come from the Google search engine, etc., they won't go to your site very much at all for a while. So if you put up a new website, maybe Google will go over the uh, the website once every week or two weeks, and you know they might see that you've done one or two or three more web web pages, and that's interesting. So Google observes that and they keep coming back. But as far as the article website goes, um, e.g. EasyArticles.com, or ArticlesBase.com, or GoArticles.com. Google's all over those websites just about every day, constantly, and when a new article goes in there, it's almost uh, hit immediately by Google, and that has the opportunity of of feeding leads back to your website and potentially converting them into uh, subscribers. So that being said, you probably should have a landing page or two in your website designed for the different subscribers that you get to come to you, but it's it's highly uh, likely that you'll get far more subscribers to your site from the article marketing websites than you will by just optimising your own website.
1: Okay, so that's that's
2: a really clear distinction, John. It's an important one, and I I
1: hadn't actually got that earlier. So if I if I understand it correctly, what you're saying is that with this strategy of using it to position yourself as an authority, you don't even you don't care whether nobody takes the article off the. EasyN article site and use it on their own website because you're not looking for that traffic, you're just looking for the traffic that you'll get by people finding it on the main uh, EasyN article site on the main article directory site. Uh, so, and and because that is a high traffic site and because it's a, it's got a good reputation, Google will boost its ranking. So you're really using it as a place to post articles so that they link back from there, not necessarily from other people. Is that right?
2: Yes, that's right. Certainly, Gihan, there is the other advantage of having link-backs from other people's websites because your article was regarded as of high value. (laughs) And as for the number of hits on your articles, if you go to ezinearticles.com, for example, which I probably rank as one of the better uh, article sites, if you take up a membership there, which, by the way, is free, if you start writing articles there, soon you can see how the numbers are tracking from the articles that you write. Then you can actually understand what people like to read and what they're looking for. So your articles can be ranked as to importance, and after about three or four weeks, all of a sudden you know what you should be writing about, and you're immediately lifting your conversions, or sorry, your hits off of easy articles, which in turn feeds more people back to your website. So that's how it works, but what is a good article? Well, a good article is 400 words, certainly not less, and probably no more than 600 words because it's a bit of a waste of your time if you go over 600 words. Uh, The ideal article is around about 400 words, so all you need to do is type up to 400 words, get the ideas out there, use three or four paragraphs and a series of dot points, and it becomes very readable for people that are uh, on in Articles. In saying in Articles is very good, indeed it is, it's a very good article site. Uh, I would also say Go Articles uh, is very worthwhile. And I'd say Articles Base is worthwhile. There's there's three there that um, I regard as serving people like us very well. Okay, so you mentioned EasyArticles.com,
1: GoArticles.com, and was the other one Article Base? Articlesbase.com. Articles okay, great. And you mentioned earlier there were fifty, you know, fifty or hundred of these
2: article directories, but those are the three that you'd focus on if you're using this uh, this authority strategy. Yes, I would. I would recommend that people regard it as an authority strategy, I really don't see much value in going for the the link back strategy. Personally, I think uh, for information marketing people, as a lot of us are, it's better for us to be seen as an expert and if you write a good article anyway, people will take it and then you'll still get the value of link backs from it anyway and it just so happens the link back value for me did happen as a matter of course I wasn't particularly looking for it but it happens in a significant way anyway and I I I don't need to uh, focus on it I know it's going to happen because of the quality of articles that I write it's uh, another question that spins out of that from people who write good articles they say well if I write good stuff and I put it up on the internet someone can use it on their website well then it's gone and it's out of my head and I've lost control over it well yes and no Um, You've got to actually show that you're very good at what you do. So the quality that you put up there has to be of, of uh, attractiveness to the people who need it. As to how far you go into the topic, now I'll just pick a funny, strange sort of topic like how do you wash a cat? Mm-hmm. That would be an interesting interesting website, um, com. But how to wash a cat. Now, if you're putting an article onto Easing Articles about that, you could say some really good things and then you could get to the point where you finish and maybe there's three or four things that you didn't say. That will also attract people to your website to find out more. Mm. So, And, Gihan, I will say this. I would rank article marketing higher than blogging, and that's a controversial thing to say. Yeah,
1: that is quite good because I, well, I, I rank blogging very highly, so that's quite a strong endorsement from you, from you, John.
2: I I also rank blogging very high by the way. Uh, I would say to everybody if they haven't got one or two blogs going they've got a problem and they really need to address that immediately and of course we all know that there's some good blog platforms out there and Wordpress and Blogger are two of the best. Uh, So blogging has to occur every day but I would put article marketing above that if you're an information marketer to the point that uh, you should be writing articles every day. The next thing that spins out of this is that uh, people will say, well, I haven't got time. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't got time, I guess the answer is you shouldn't do it. If you're going to do article marketing, you have to decide, well, how am I going to do it? Am I going to commit to this? Now, I would say that if, if people feel they have to experiment with it, then sure, define your niche, experiment with it, but go for one solid month without fail because it takes about a month to see the results start to come towards you. And after a month, you just keep going. That's the way it happens. So can I clarify, John, when you say do
1: it for a solid month, are you saying write at least one article a day for a month?
2: Well, <clears throat> I would say that, Gihan, but I again, I'm probably going to scare a few people here and say that you should write more than that. Um, Firstly, what is a good article? A good article is a unique article. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll say here that the things that you put on the article sites must be totally unique. You must write them specifically for the article sites. Don't copy anything from your website or anywhere else. Plagiarism, of course, is not right and not correct. But don't copy anything from your website and put it up on article marketing sites. It's just not the thing to do. Google will see it, and the article that you've copied from your own website and put onto the article marketing sites will just get discounted. Uh, Google will say, oh, yes, someone else has done it somewhere else, Mm. and therefore the whole thing falls back into a screaming heap and you've just wasted your own time. It's interesting that the way in which the process works is you get your article onto the article sites. It's there first the search engines see it there first. They know that that's where it is first. On that basis, that's the first ranking, and that's why you get immediate, let's say immediate, in the next two or three days of putting up articles, you get people bouncing through to your website uh, to look at your website from the bio and the link that's in your bio at the bottom of your article. So if you write consistently, and, and if you need convincing, maybe you've got to commit to it for a week just to get your... Your your head through the process, but commit to it for a week, and after two or three days, I am sure you will see more people come to your website because of the way in which you've written your articles. You do need to give due regard to keywords. Of course, we probably, many of us know how to search out keywords from search engines to find out what applies to a niche, and those keywords should be fed into the articles, not in a saturation method because Google doesn't like that either. I go back to a point, and I think I started to touch on it, didn't finish, when you get your article into the, the the article site, Google sees it first and says, right, there's an expert that put something up there and Google watches it. It's a fresh article. Now, from that point onwards, other people can take that article and put it on their website. Now, that doesn't fuss me. I'm not worried about that at all because I got my article onto the article marketing sites first and foremost, and Google has seen me before anybody else. That means... If they copy my article and it goes out to a thousand other uh, websites out there, then I'm the guy who got it first. I'm the guy who gets the high ranking in Google, and that's what I want. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. In fact, what you're saying is
1: that easy in articles or that, that article directory, because they've got the they got it first, and they've got a high ranking. That's good for you, and you don't really care about the the other people who've copied it, because they will get a lower ranking, and people, Google isn't going to send people to their website. They'll send
2: eventually. They'll send people to yours. That's right, and therefore my name, my product, my niche remains higher in Google, and anybody else who wants to copy my stuff, uh, they're not going to be ranked as high as what I am. In saying that, I need to write articles all the time. Now, this goes back to your question, Gihan, you know, if you write one article a day. Look, for the people who want to get started, yes, you can write one article a day. But if you seriously want to commit to this process, then the scary numbers start, you should consistently write between 5 and 10 articles a day of 400 words each. Mm. Now, that's scary, but that is what is done, and I've seen that and checked that off with the people who are at the top end of easingarticles.com. I've followed three or four or five of them over time to see how they do it, and you're basically looking at people who've done in excess of 500, 600 articles and they consistently do more. And they're doing more because the model works for them. They know that every time they write articles, and this is over five, five articles a day, you get the hits to your website. The hits mm-hmm. turns into conversions onto your, onto your database. And then if you've got the right pipeline, you can actually uh, drive sales and opportunities from that. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying.
1: Can I ask your opinion, John? That uh, if there are people who, that as you say, that is quite scary for some people. Uh, if it is a bit scary and they they want to scale it down, obviously they're not going to get the same volume of results. But it seems to me like this—a uh, light bulb's gone off in my head here—that you're saying that you you still you might still be better off. If you're going to write only one article a day, it's better to put it on the article directory site than on your own website because that's the one that Google's going to see oh, yes. first. So even if yes. they start small, they should still be following this strategy and then build up to it. Is that right?
2: Yes, Kiernan, and they will see things turn if they consistently do. If you make yourself a target of say one article a day, if you if you make that a target, you'll see some little things happen. Mm. If you can do two articles a day, then that's even better. Uh, Eventually, once um, they have convinced themselves that something's going on here, they'll understand that numbers are important. And the beauty of article marketing is that it's, it's, it's like a consistent pipeline. Once you start to feed it... You can take a week off. You can go away for two weeks. You don't have to write anything for a couple of weeks because the things keep feeding through from everything else that you have out there. Mm. And the beauty of linkbacks from other people who've used your material is that uh, if the article is really good, then they're going to f- their readers are going to find you anyway, and it still flows through. That being said, uh, here is my model, and this again might be a bit scary for some, but it's worthwhile mentioning. Mm. Absolutely. Um, So my model is this, 400 words is my minimum, sometimes I'll break my rule and go up as far as 800 words but I don't like doing that, but it does happen on very complex issues. I will write typically uh, between 5 and 10 articles a day, I'll give myself a weekend off, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I'm consistently writing articles like that it's very easy for me to see on the stats in Easy articles, which are my stats, no one else sees them. It's very easy for me to see that I'm getting hits on particular topics and then I know what the hot topics are and I can write more on them. For example, uh, one particular topic which is hugely successful, uh, I know that uh, because of in articles, I know this particular topic is, is extremely successful on the websites out there on the internet and therefore I, when I feel like boosting my numbers and my conversions hits, I just write a few more articles around that particular topic. One thing that spins out of the ski is people say, well, again, I'll go back to the analogy of how to wash a cat. If you write an article about how to wash a cat and you've got to write another nine, art, nine articles about that, you've got to say, well, how many times can you write about it? Well, the reality is you can write about it infinite numbers of times just from different angles. And what I like to do is just make a mind map of the issue. So you know, if it's how to wash a cat, uh, what sort of soap do you need, what sort of water temperature do you need, um, do you need a tub to wash the cat in, and what sort of towels do you need, and then all of a sudden you've got about ten different mini topics which you can write something about as well. So ten things turns into ten sub-things, so all of a sudden you've got a hundred things to write about, but I go back to my model, Uh, Gihan, I said ten articles a day, five to ten, uh, it's extremely powerful. In fact, that is the marketing model. If, if you're an Internet marketer out there, yes, you can do your SEO stuff. Uh, yes, you can do your blogging. And I would rank blogging very close to article marketing, without a doubt. Very close, but just under. Um, SEO is fine, but SEO takes a long time to reach the, the heights that you want to reach. Uh, as for social marketing, look, I won't talk to too many people about my experience is there, other, other than to say I know that article marketing is far more successful in my niche, and I know that I can make a lot more sales off of article marketing than I can through, uh, let's say, doing the Facebook thing. Uh, but that being said, I take my articles and I do an automatic feed from my articles into Twitter mm-hmm. and LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and the tools to do that you can get from uh, article, the article marketing site. The automatic feed is delayed which is wonderful. We go back to the logic that if the automatic feed is, say, two weeks after the article went on to the article marketing site, that's what you want because the Twitter feed and the LinkedIn feed, etc., has to be delayed for you to get the maximum impact of your article on the article marketing site. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, actually, that's a, that's a really good point, John, because uh, it it means that you make sure that the EZN articles or the the article directory site is the one that gets the the highest ranking.
2: That's right. And in saying, well, you write all these articles, the beauty of writing articles, Gihan, is that you keep it to um, specific mini-niches within your niche and it's it's quite easy to write lots and lots of articles from different angles. You get used to it after a while. And that being said, you just put a number of articles together and you've got an e-book. And then further to that, you put a number of articles together and you can record on audio. And I think you and I both use the same audio-type program to record. All of a sudden, you can put that audio out there for your niche. And again, that's another product. So uh, you've got eBooks, you've got audio. And interestingly, the people that I have followed in this area, the most saleable product is audio. Oh. But... They tend to sell eBooks in the preliminary phase and they usually have a pipeline which is cycled every 10 days. So each period of 10 days they're trying to do a sale of some sort or other and they're sending out about three emails a week. Uh, you do have drop-offs but that's not a problem because you have plenty of people coming in. You've got to regard your your article marketing strategy as a shop and it's your marketing tool it's the main way to get people to purchase from you yes people drop off and if they drop off they really don't want don't want what you've got to talk about so that's fine um, I know you use MailChimp as I do Gihan and um, MailChimp's a very good tool for uh, creating a pipeline that being said there's co- of course AWeber out there and they're a little bit different. They work under different rules, and I know there's a few others as well. Now, this is just an observation, and this is um, something I twigged on recently. I would class MailChimp as a very good sales pipeline tool and an autoresponder for the purposes of the sales pipeline. That being said, the rules that AWeber and... uh, um, Mailchimp operate under are a little bit restrictive when it comes to sending out course material, so that if your pipeline sends a course, you really can't manipulate the courses very well in those sorts of auto responders. Then, in turn, and this is this is Gee an observation, uh, CourseBot, which is something I use and you know I use CourseBot. CourseBot is an exceptional tool for sending out courses because it is so flexible, but you don't get that flexibility in Mailchimp and, and AWeber, if you know what I mean. That's just an observation because I had to move my sale pipeline one way and I had to move my course pipeline the other way, and I'm just telling everybody now so they don't waste their time.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting, John, and I'm grateful that you mentioned Courseport because that's some software that, that we developed and that uh, I sell and I license to clients. Uh, and I think you're right that the, the marketing, for marketing some of these other tools are better, but for educational material, uh, something like Courseport it, it was designed for that. It was definitely designed for that. But just actually related to this, John, this this whole idea of even when you do your sales pipeline, say your normal email newsletter, you're writing articles for your newsletter. But one of the th- the other thing I've just got from you is that putting them in the article directories gives you very good stats about who's who's reading which articles or which topics are most popular. Um, I know some of the article directories even suggest titles to use, and. Not only can you use them there, but of course, if you know what what words people are searching for or what titles might be attractive, then you can use them in your newsletter and and other places like your blog as well. Uh, And I think the point that I got from you is that it's very, very quick. If you use article marketing, it's very quick to get the feedback on what's working and what's not.
2: It is, and You can get your feedback within a matter of days. Mm. And the important thing is that you go into your now, when I say this, com is an exceptional article site for tracking numbers for you, and in fact, if, if if the listeners were trying to choose between article sites to get going, I'd say, look, if, if you're only going to do one to get started and get used to this, I'd say go to com. because the way in which they track their numbers and give you the feedback and the graphs, and you can download your spreadsheets. Uh, like I've got hundreds and hundreds of articles out there, and I can look at my spreadsheets and know exactly what people want to read. I know what, what articles convert more people back to my my own website because I can read the, the hit rates from the various articles. So that then, if you like, can give you a list of topics to put into your own sales pipeline on MailChimp or Aweber. Mm-hmm. And it just optimises your sales. And I guess I shouldn't be saying it. All about sales Gihan. but at the end of the day, you know we are information people. We have information that is useful for others. And if we can spread our information, obviously we need to be uh, uh, paid for that process. But I go back to the pipeline. You have a product every ten days, you send three emails a week, uh, no less, no more. And your products probably in the early stages should be simple ebooks. The pricing processes that are out there, uh, usually, the first pricing level is usually around $17. Uh, then it goes to about $37, then about about $97, and then after that, you know, it's a matter of what happens. But people tend to try and get a sale at around $17 so that everyone gets comfortable with buying something. Mm-hmm. And then it has been it has been observed that the person that has bought something from you is highly likely to buy something again from you at a higher price. Therefore, when someone buys something from you, e.g. a nice little e-book, that e-book will give them comfort that you are who you are, and they'll be happy to spend $37 the next time around. Uh, That being said, it's not all about sales, but sales are part of doing business online. So uh, you can't, can't, for example, expect anybody to take an expensive course at $300 within the first 10 days. That's not going to happen. Mm. And... uh, Therefore, the cycle that I've conveyed to you here is what I've seen, what I've observed, and I've checked out a number of um, people who do business online in that regard. Um, Going back to what I do, and you know, and I rise every morning very early at 4.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I like to write my articles from 4.30 through to about 8am every morning. Uh, Depending on how I feel, sometimes I'll type them. on the computer, naturally, and there are other ways you can do it, which I'll explain at the moment, but if you're not a good typist, I suggest you go and get a good program off the web to help the process, because if you're an information marketer, you really do need to churn out product pretty well, and that means you've got to type in excess of 60 words a minute, and hopefully towards 90 words a minute, and you can do that within three months as long as you get the right little program to help you and do a bit of practice. So, that's producing product. Now, the next one, I'll mention, Gihan, this is how you produce product very quickly and articles very quickly. It might be a bit controversial for some, but I'll mention that. It's using voice recognition software. Now, you've tried it, Gihan, haven't you, I would imagine?
1: Yes, but I tried it a long time ago, John, and I got frustrated with and impatient with getting it to learn from me. And I think it's no longer... I think it's advanced to the stage where you don't have to do... Th- hours of training beforehand.
2: Correct. And therefore it's worthwhile mentioning now what I have identified over the years, because I have been in and out of it probably over the last seven or eight years. Uh, But I will say today that the product that you get on uh, the Windows 7 machine is extremely good, but there are some provisos. And these are the provisos and these are the things that you actually need to do or have if you're going to use voice recognition software as a major uh, product generation tool. You need a fast computer, uh, you need plenty of RAM, and that's at least 4 gigabytes. If you can get 8 gigabytes, that's wonderful. And you need a top-level microphone, not something that you buy from uh, a retailer for $30. You need something that you pay probably 80 or $90 for, which is USB-related, but still of a high quality. And you'll find that your voice recognition software will perform uh, in many times better than what it would have in, in other situations So, but uh, in summary Gihan going through these things you can see where I'm coming from article marketing is a tool uh, it's a way of getting your product and your knowledge out there so John, I know you've only scratched the
1: surface and I appreciate how much you've shared already. Uh, if somebody's getting started, and I know the best way to get into this is to actually experience it for yourself and try it out. If somebody is getting started, I know you've mentioned like, join, say, in Articles and maybe one or two others, but maybe even just that one, and go at it for a month with a minimum of one article a day. Are there any other last tips that you'd give for someone to get started in it so that they can experience the power of it for themselves?
2: I'd say go to EZN Articles and look at the expert authors, the top ones, not the ordinary ones. The top ones are those that have done over 500 articles and perhaps over 1,000 articles. Just go there and look at those expert authors and look at what they're writing about and how they have written it. Once you look at maybe five or ten people, you'll get to understand what's going on. Great. Thank you. Thank you, John. I've certainly
1: got some ideas for myself, and I will definitely be changing my strategy around this. So I appreciate it, and uh, uh, on behalf of everybody else as well, I thank you very much for sharing your, your wisdom and your insights. Thank you. So I hope you're more motivated to write articles now. And if you don't think of yourself as a great writer, the secret is simple. Structure. If you have a few standard article templates handy, you can take your material and fit it into one of these templates. As one of my clients said, the template is like a container of a certain shape, and you pour your material into it. So one easy and powerful template is one that I've developed myself, and I call it the PIPES process, P-I-P-E-S. In a recent webinar that I did for David Penglaze of salescoachcentral.com, I did a live demo of this process with one of the webinar participants. I think you'll find it useful to learn from her example, and if you'd like to know more, you can get my book, Fast, Flat and Free. So let's listen to an extract from that webinar now. Let's say you've, you've identified the top 10 problems in your client's life. I want you to write an article for each of them. And this process is going to help you write that article. It's a five-step process for writing an article that takes them from problem to solution in an authoritative way. So I'm going to go through this process here, then I'm going to quickly check if there's anyone who's volunteered to offer their problem, and we'll go through the process for them. So here's the five-step process first. So what problem do they have? So the first thing you say is, okay, you've got this problem in your life, and the problem is the problem in their words, okay, so in the words that they're using. The next thing is you say, okay, what are the negative implications for them? So how much is this costing you, um, and what aren't you able to do because you've got this problem in your life? The next one is to say, okay, what are the possibilities if you didn't have the problem? So what are the positives that could happen if that problem was solved for them? What's your explanation of the process to solve it? And I just want to make an important point here. This is the explanation of how they can solve it themselves. So this is a, a general solution. And then the last step is what solution do you offer to solve it for them? So the key thing I want to point out here is that these first four steps, problem, implications, possibilities and explanation have nothing to do with you. It's all about them. So 80% of your article, 80% of this process is about them and their problems and how they can solve it. At the very end, you come in and say, look, by the way, I can solve it for you and here's the solution that we can offer. So can you see that it's a much more respectful way of approaching a client or approaching a prospect, prospective client by saying look, I understand your problem, I understand its cost, you may not even realise how much it's costing you, and do you realise how, what your life could be if you didn't have that problem? Here's how you fix it. Oh, by the way, I've got a solution for you. OK, so that's the process. All right, so let me just quickly check if... Oh, I see somebody's got their hand raised. so Hello, Helen, are you there?
3: Um, I'm just wondering if, yeah, I could be an example. Um, Brilliant. It's just uh, I I actually have a small business on the side. I think this is probably more pertinent. Um, If you think it's a reasonable example, then I I run a dog training business. Right. And one of my my clients have a number of problems. So, for example, say there's about to be thunderstorms. Yep. Then they're going to want... Suddenly I get a whole lot of calls about, okay, my dog's going crazy in a thunderstorm, what do I do about it? So I'm just... In my head, I'm I'm now thinking I could be more proactive and actually go out with a newsletter when I know
1: thunderstorms are forecast. Great, great. And so where we're where we're heading to just for everybody else is that we're going to say, okay, we've got these ten you identified the ten problems. So Helen's identified one. And you're then going to have ten newsletters worth. You can even combine some of them into a special report or on a webinar. So that's where we're heading. So great Helen. So you've identified one of the problems. And the problem, uh, when you, really important, identify it using the words that, that clients and customers themselves use. So you said that. You said, my dog goes crazy during thunderstorms. So let's write this article yeah. for you, Helen. Let's write it together. So let's right. it step by step. So what problem did they have? So you might start your article by saying, have you noticed that whenever you have a thunderstorm that your dog goes crazy during thunderstorms? So you, And that, that might be all, all you need. You just need a sentence to get started. Okay, so what are the negative implications? So obviously there's uh, no money involved exactly. in this, Helen. But what are the what are the consequences of that?
3: Well, there could be um, because often you know windows get broken or um, you know furniture's damaged. They soil the house, or yeah, or they could just have to be up all night with their dog.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's distressing for them. They don't get to sleep. The the, the family, that the kids get all scared and stressed because their dog is going crazy, their, their family pet is crazy. And so, so you go through and list, like, do you realise that it's not just your dog going crazy, but do you realise who else gets affected by this and how much, it, how much damage it causes psychologically, physically and so on. So are you okay with that? Like you could write a paragraph about that, just list all the problems that happened as a result of that. Yeah. Okay, so what are the possibilities? So if they didn't have that problem... What what would their life be like?
3: Well, they wouldn't have to plan for thunderstorms for a start, and you know, plan to take time out to nurse their dog through through the issue. Um, and they wouldn't also have to be worried if they were out of the house as to what might happen.
1: Brilliant. Okay, exactly right. Okay, so then that, that next paragraph says, imagine if your dog didn't respond this way in a thunderstorm. And then you do exactly that you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to you would be able to make appointments and keep them without worrying about your dog being left alone at home and so on. okay, so this is great this is good. okay, so what's the explanation of the process to solve it? So what did they have to do without coming to you? okay if they didn't if you weren't available well, what what actually do they need to do
3: um well they there is a process they can use mm. um to deal with it proactively, which Basically, I won't go through the long detailed um, explanation. Mm-hmm. But there is a process that I could I could explain to them that they would probably need to use for, let's say, the next three thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So they'd have to put in a bit of work up front, um, and with with the dog. Um, but after that, the problem should be resolved.
1: Okay. So can I just ask you: Is it a five-step process, a three-step process, seven-step process? Is it? Can you just tell me now? Uh, like,
3: it's about. Probably, probably four or five steps. Four or five steps, yeah. right. Okay, so yeah.
1: in this step here, so what you would say is, here's how you solve the problem. The next For the next three thunderstorms, what I want you to do is be home with your dog, and these are the four things I want you to do. Okay, And you don't go through all the details, because um, you don't need to at this stage, but you give them, you tell them, here are the four steps. You're not trying to hold stuff back from them, by the way. You're not trying to say, oh, you can only get the answer if you actually contact me. But you, it's an article, so it's got to be useful value, and you say, look, here are the four steps that you go through. Okay, And I, I won't ask you what they are now, but there will be a four-step process. And then, at the very last thing, at the very last step is, okay, what solution do you offer? What what is it that you do for them? Oh, is it a six week training course, or is it a you come to their house and help their, help train the dog? Or what is it? I come to their
3: house and work with them, and yeah, I come to their house and work with them and their family. Yep. Um, and then they have ongoing lifetime support via phone or email. Um, but the solution could be that if if they, knowing what they know, can't then resolve it for you know in in their own situation, that I could come out um, for an extra visit. I' yep, um, great. Actually, work through it with them.
1: Yeah, great. And or I think that you know
3: they could call me during the thunderstorm, or you know, so yeah, yeah I could get a, I guess a paid, you know, I, there could be income coming in for me um, as a result.
1: Yeah, exactly. And in this case, I think you can be a bit pushier, and you don't have to say "try this first before calling me. Mm-hmm. You could say, mm-hmm. so this. Uh, I always like to think of this one. This paragraph is starting off by saying, "By the way," okay. You may not use those words, mm-hmm. but I go, "By the way, I can help you with this process." So don't wait till the next thunderstorm. Um, mm-hmm. Call me or go to my website or wherever, wherever people can find information, and they can get they can get the answer to their question. So they can they can get that yeah. issue resolved because you provide the solution there.
3: Yep, that's good thinking. Yep.
1: Okay, so now I'm going to ask you: Do you think that you could go away and write that article? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Good. That's the right answer. <laughs> Okay, mm-hmm. so, so great. Okay, so I hope other people can see how simple this process is and yet also how powerful and effective it is as a way of being an authority. So what Helen's done here is she's not just saying, my, okay, do you have a dog who, gets, who goes crazy during thunderstorms? Well, I'll come in and solve that problem for you and your family so she hasn't jumped from problem directly to solution she said look okay do you realize how much this is costing you imagine if you didn't have this um, problem in your life so this is kind of like perturbing the perturbing the client and then here's the actual solution so this is what an authority will do an authority will say here's the answer and by the way i can help you implement that answer okay helen any other questions about that process, because I actually do want you to go away and, um, and do this, like write this article.
3: Oh, that's excellent. Thank you. No, I've actually just now put on my to-do list five articles I need to write. First. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's
0: brilliant. Facebook, Google and Apple have changed the way the world works, but most business owners don't know the rules have changed. Get Gihan's book, Fast, Flat and Free, from fastflatandfree.com and learn how to make the internet work for you. That's fastflatandfree.com.
1: So we've talked about using high-quality articles to promote your business. Another rapidly growing area for high-quality content is in eBooks, especially with the growth of Apple's iPad and Amazon's Kindle. And in our book, Out of Office, my co-author Chris Pudney and I, we talk about the value of having everything electronic so it's more portable. And ebooks definitely fall into that category. You certainly don't want to lug around all your reference books wherever you take your portable office. And um, I recorded a conversation recently between me and Chris, and in this conversation we talk about how the internet's changed the way that we buy and read books and eBooks, so both printed books and eBooks. So if you haven't yet jumped on the online book bandwagon, then I hope this persuades you to do so. So let's start talking, Chris, about buying books, and um, you know both you and I are avid readers, and we. We've always bought books, and most of the time we've just gone to bookshops and bought them from there. But in 1995, Amazon. Opened up his bookstore, and I remember at the time it was uh, making making huge losses at the time, and so it took a while for it to go into profit. But it became really popular, and books really were among the first goods to be sold online. And I remember going to a conference in, I think it must have been 1997, 1998, where there was a futurist speaking, and he was talking about the power of the internet, and he said, you know, what's the biggest product that's being sold on the internet? books and of course everyone laughed but now that it really is it's a big business and you can buy printed books online and amazon.com of course is the one that everyone knows about and there are other options as well both within australia and international and most most bookshops most physical bookstop shops do have some sort of online presence but if you look at well we talked about the two that have gone down the down the gurgler but uh, Dimex, which is still around Dimex has a website but I don't think it's that great. It's got a shopping cart you can order from there, but it's not really taking advantage of what online can do for you. So it seems to be more of a token effort where there are other places like Fishpond. Fishpond.com.au is one that I stumbled across about a year ago, and that is an Australian or maybe New Zealand-based online bookshop, and it's got a great Great catalogue of books. They they really take advantage of some of the online features. So you can tell them what books you're interested in, and they'll they'll email you when there are specials. They do email specials from time to time. Specials tend to last like 24 hours, and you get really good discounts on books. And uh, so I've used it a couple of times. I don't know whether you have, Chris. Have you used um, Fishpond or any others? Any other Australian online bookstore?
4: Yeah, I've even used um, Dimmicks, I think, um, as well as another one called Booktopia, which also seems to be uh, a purely online effort. They don't have any storefronts. They're just an online retailer.
1: But there's another one that my brother-in-law, Neil, told me about, the Book Depository. So it's bookdepository.co.uk. So it's it's an online bookshop out of the UK, which offers books at amazing prices, and they're their their big point of difference is they advertise free shipping worldwide so you buy the book and of course that's one of the biggest disadvantages when you buy online uh, from an international supplier or even from a local supplier you have to pay postage but the book depository gets around that by saying no Free shipping, and actually there's a bit of a controversy about that recently where someone discovered that what they would do was they would check where the customer was from based on their computer's IP address and adjust the price so that you might pay a little bit more if you're from Australia as opposed to somebody locally in the UK. Uh, locally in the UK. However, even allowing for that slightly dodgy tactic, it still turns out that buying from the book depository is significantly cheaper than walking into a Dimmock store and buying it, buying it at full Australian retail.
4: Yeah, and even sites like Amazon.com, if you go there and are charged fairly hefty shipping, you can still sometimes get the book cheaper than you can get it over-the-counter in Western Australia or Australia-wide. Yep, Exactly. Well, what are the benefits of shopping online? I actually quite enjoy going to bricks and mortar bookstores and just uh, browsing the uh, browsing the bookshelves and also going to book sales as well. But one of the great advantages of shopping online is the convenience. You don't have to leave your house to uh, go and shop online or you can even use your smartphone or, or tablet computer. There's no having to drive anywhere or find parking or uh, rub shoulders with the great unwashed <laughs> at the local bookstore. You can do it from the convenience of your living room. Um, So there's that convenience, there's less hassle, and the obvious thing that we've mentioned several times already is the price. Uh, In Australia, particularly, we feel that because books are so much more expensive than uh, many other countries in the world, whereas the online offerings are very much cheaper. As well as that... uh, Sites like Amazon offer you this feature where you can actually preview the book. So you can flip through a few pages, just like you can flip through them when you find them on a bookshelf at a physical store. You can have a look at a few pages of the book online as well. So you get a feel for the book that you're going to buy. You can actually see whether it matches your expectations. And then uh, Amazon and other bookstores alike have a feature where they can suggest books to you. So if uh, you're looking at a particular book you're about to make a purchase, uh, they can say, well, other customers who have bought this book also bought uh, another title that's similar in some fashion. You can compile wish lists. So uh, if you uh, have people who want to, uh, uh, want suggestions when it comes to your birthday or Christmas or whatever, you can point them to your wish lists of various books that uh, you've compiled throughout the year. And there's various rating systems. So Amazon has uh, professional ratings and ratings from uh, from the browsers who have bought those books as well as, um, sorry, ratings and reviews. So some are detailed reviews, including, you know, five stars or, and that sort of thing. There are social media tools like Shelfari and Visual Bookshelf, which I think are both standalone uh, tools as well as apps for Facebook. They allow you to gather those kinds, that kind of resource from a wider crowd than just people who have bought a book at Amazon. So I use Visual Bookshelf in Facebook, and when I go go to that it has a a feature that allows you to get suggestions and that's based on the books that you've read and how you've rated them and then it goes and finds people with similar tastes to yours based on the books that they've read and their ratings and then from there it can infer other titles that you've yet to read uh, and would possibly find interesting so that that kind of crowdsourcing has been picked up by social media uh, and expanded to a wider audience than just the customers of a single bookstore.
1: Yep, you're right, and I use Shelfari, and the way you described visual bookshelf sounds like Shelfari is pretty much exactly the same thing. So I can set up my bookshelf, I can talk about the books that I'm reading, the books that I've read, and the books that I'd like to get. So I can set up a wish list on there, and then invite friends in. So it's like having Facebook, but for readers. So I I find that useful as well, and that's really something that the Internet allows you to do. And that's that's not necessarily connected to a physical or an online bookstore, but it's a way of you connecting with readers, just like you. Yeah. So let's. So we've talked about physical books so far, and we've we've said that there's a number of ways that you can get access to them, including online. Let's move on to eBooks because eBooks is uh, are things that I've just started. At the start of this year, I got myself an eBook reader. Uh, through my Samsung Galaxy Tab which is an Android tablet and so I've started reading e-books on my, on my tab and it's been interesting, it's been surprising how quickly I've switched over to them but let's talk about some of the pros and cons of ebooks. so let me start with some of the, the pros and we're talking about e-books versus printed books or what some, some people call P-books so they're obviously lighter and more portable because you can have uh, a thousand books uh, on your little tablet computer, so handheld uh, they can be more th- text, even though most of the e-books that I've seen so far tend to be just electronic form of the exact same text that you'd get in a printed book. But you can get e-books which have video embedded, which have diagrams that that move, you can have animation in there. So we will see, I think, coming up in the future, that the whole concept of just words on a page and words and pictures on a page is going to be a little bit outdated and there will be a lot more rich media in books. The other really interesting thing about ebooks, uh, if you're using a service like, say, the Amazon Kindle, is you can see what other readers are doing. So I don't know whether you're the sort of person who spoils their books, Chris, by marking them up with highlighters and little notes in the margin. I was brought up not to, so I don't, but I know lots of people do. With e-books, say, say if you've got a Kindle and you're reading an e-book on the Kindle, you can optionally turn on a feature where you can actually see not only what you mark up in your book, but you can see what other readers have marked up in the same part of the book. So it becomes, the so reading becomes, instead of a one-on-one thing, it becomes a collaborative effort the other big advantage of e-books is the price. So I find that I can buy an e-book. So the sort of business ebooks that I buy on Amazon on through my Kindle are about $10 each. Uh, $10 US, which is about $10 Australian now. And that would compare to Uh, at least $20 if I was buying the the physical book, and certainly $20 if I was buying through Amazon, if I count the shipping as well. So it's not only cheaper, but you just get it delivered instantly as well. Just one click, I buy it, and it's downloaded directly to my e-reader, and it's there five minutes later. So so there are a lot of advantages to reading e-books.
4: Yeah, you mentioned price, Guhan. I recently read a blog post about uh, a self-published author who has an e-book in the top 100 list on Amazon, and he did an experiment whereby he dropped the price of his ebook from i think it was about $5 down to 99 cents and even though um, he was he was making good money at the $5 price once he dropped it to 99 cents his sales went through the roof and he was making far more money from his ebook once he dropped the price that low um that, that led the blog poster to conjecture that perhaps all e-books, I mean, the cost of printing an e-book is essentially zero, because of that low cost, will all e-books sort of fall to that kind of price of 99 cents? So they're cheap now at around about the $10 mark, but there's already a kind of race to the bottom.
1: Yeah, I think that that is interesting and I think that depends a lot on your distribution. So if you've got enough of a customer database or potential customer database that when you charge $10, a whole bunch of them are not going to buy it because of price, but if you drop the price, then more of them are going to buy it. And I think they would be interesting to see what happens with distribution models, whether everyone's then going to flock to the Apple iTunes store or the Amazon Kindle store and those those. Big, air, big marketplaces like that are going to have so much traffic to them that authors can drop their price. And, yeah, if, if they can, if they can drop it to 99 cents and make more money than if they're charging 10 times as much, then good on them. And that's yeah.
4: great for us as, as consumers. Us. Exactly. Yeah. So P-books or printed books, I like that word, P-books, Gihan, what are the pros of those? Well, obviously they're more resilient than uh, e-books. E-books you have to read with some kind of technology, so you need batteries, uh, there's some software that might uh, might be a bit dodgy, um, and you have to be careful that you don't get them wet. So a book you can happily uh, soak in the tub or go and read <laughs> in the park, and if it starts raining, it's not a problem, you can get them wet. Uh, they're easier to read generally because uh, the current e-reader technology still has some problems if you're reading in bright sunlight because it's kind of an emissive display rather than a reflective display. Uh, you, if, depending on how you're brought up, you can write in them, leave notes in the, in the margin, stick post-it notes in certain pages, dog the the uh, corners of the page if you want to find where you're up to recently. You can easily lend them to your friends or give them away or sell them second hand. And one of the reasons that you can do those last few operations is because they're not saddled with what's called DRM, Digital Rights Management. E-books being uh, an electronic medium, uh, it's possible to couple them with uh, some kind of licensing mechanism which restricts the actions that you can perform with them. So you might be limited to only reading it on uh, a Kindle device and maybe only making one copy of it elsewhere and not lending it to others, although mechanisms for lending and borrowing books, uh, -books, e-books is starting to emerge. But at the moment, this DRM problem uh, is a bit of a cloud on the horizon as far as e-books are concerned.
1: This is really based on the whole idea of protection, isn't it? Like if I have a printed book and I lend it to you, Chris, then the publisher kind of doesn't mind because I I can't use the book at the same time as you're reading it. So I don't get access to it again until you give it back to me. Whereas with electronic products, if I lend it to you, they have to somehow lock it so that I can't read it for the period of time that it's being lent out. Otherwise, it just gets distributed far and wide
4: that's right that's right so they want to make sure there's really kind of only one copy of the e-book in circulation much in the same way as there's only one copy of the p-book that uh, that you own uh, and you know printed books have a kind of uh allure to them that uh, that's more inviting for some people than ele- electronic books they're tangible you can hold them we're familiar with them because we've all grown up with them and even you know my kids my my daughter she's She's growing up with P-books, printed books, and so she's going to have that familiarity with them that gives the, gives them an advantage over e-books in her mind, uh, but perhaps future generations are going to wonder what a printed book is in much the same way as my daughter has no idea what a vinyl LP is or a VHS video cassette, uh, and printed photos are also going the way of, uh, of, of LPs and so on because... their, Their physical form is no longer needed when you've got an electronic version of it.
1: Yeah, look, and I think people will just get over it. Uh, I was surprised how quickly I got over it when I got my Android tablet. And the Android tablet isn't the best uh, e-reader either. It's not as good as, say, a Kindle. But I got it. I I bought a book at the start of the year, Presentation Zen, which I just saw on somebody, that the author's blog, who I follow. Uh, I followed his blog. He had a link to his new book, downloaded it from Amazon for $10. Within five minutes, I had it, and I was reading it. And it just amazed me how easily I got over my love of having the, the like, touching feeling printed books and seeing them all up like, on my bookshelf so I think it's just going to go that way I remember having the whole Billy Joel collection Chris on vinyl LPs and then reluctantly having to chuck out my old record player <laughs> knowing that I only had three CDs of Billy Joel and I had to start the collection all over again and uh-huh. now people are listening to this going CDs what's that <laughs> so yeah look I think I think we'll get over it
4: Let's summarise then, Gihan. Let's conclude with uh, the statement that books are dead. Long live books. So what we mean by that is that traditional printed books and perhaps bookstores that sell them are dying, but that at the same time reading is thriving as a new way of accessing reading reading material. Uh, via the internet uh, is coming online. Nonetheless, books may well be dying, but I think it's going to be a long and slow death. I think there's still enough people to sustain a market for printed books and bookstores themselves. But as I said earlier, I think they're going to become a niche product. Uh, they're going to become more expensive and harder to get that, get your hands on. But uh, fear not, there are so many cool ways of accessing reading material online that are much cheaper, uh, easy to read. You can get so much more material as a consequence. Um, so I think we've got a bright future for reading. I think we do,
1: and I think our message is that it's not either or. It's not a case of saying, okay, I'm never going to read another printed book before. I'm going to read everything via e-books or listen to them through Audible. It's just a case of and. You've now got more options. So there are books that I've, I'm just standing here now looking at my bookshelf, and I've got a pile of books that I'm waiting to read, and these are printed books. And at the same time I also am downloading ebooks and reading them on my on my Android tablet. And I don't listen to books on by audio, but I listen to tons and tons of podcasts on by audio. So I'm using all three mediums, so it's all three media and it's not a case of getting rid of one, it's just a case of adding more options
0: you want to work from virtually anywhere your home an office an internet cafe or even a city on the other side of the world the internet makes it possible and the book out of office shows you how learn how to be portable stay productive and run a profitable business get your copy at outofofficebook.com and get more convenience comfort and freedom in your work life that's outofofficebook.com.
1: I run a members-only webinar for the eGurus community every month, and this month's webinar is about publishing your eBook. So if you want to know more and you're an eGurus member, then jump onto this webinar. The eGurus community is my private membership site. It's for thought leaders, infopreneurs, and business professionals. So members pay $50 a month. They get access to me and many of my resources. So as I said, if you're an eGurus member, in this webinar, I'll show you how to take your content and convert it into eBook form so that you can publish it to Amazon, iTunes, and other eBook stores. This is a huge opportunity for anybody who has any expertise and wants to share it, either for marketing or for creating another income stream. In the eGurus community, we're also continuing our special interest groups about membership sites. We had the first one last month, and this is the second one in the series. If you're interested in building or growing a paid membership site for your business, come along to this eGurus special interest group. It doesn't matter that you missed the first one. We meet once a month for five months, and you get the chance to ask questions, share ideas with other people who are on the same journey. So you can sign up to the webinar and join the special interest group in the eGurus community.
0: Are you a speaker, trainer, coach, consultant, or thought leader? Join the eGurus community, Gihan's private membership site, where you can learn about blogging, social media, ebooks, online courses, webinars, membership sites, and much, much more. Find out more and sign up at eGurus.info and take your e marketing and e learning to the next level. That's eGurus.info.
1: If you're not an eGurus member but you're still interested in my webinar about ebook publishing, you can register for it from my website, gihanpereira.com. If you go there now, any time before the webinar on the 18th of April, you'll see a big button at the top right so you can click that and register. Also, I recommend you visit the website fastflattenfree.com and sign up for my free webinar series, which is the Internet Business Revolution. Twice a month, I run a webinar that's based on one of the topics in my book. I expand on it and help you apply it to your business. And this month in particular, the next one, which is coming up this Thursday, just before the Easter break, is all about ebook publishing as well. So check it out at fastflattenfree.com. So that's it for the April 2012 Expert Gold Radio Show. Hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you learned something that you can use in your business. Thanks to the beautiful Sharon Kerwood for helping with the voice service. Look forward to having you join us again in May. Next month, we'll look at another aspect of high-quality content, your email newsletter, and how you use it for database marketing and to stay front of mind with your customers and prospective customers. Don't miss it. Bye for now.
0: You've been listening to the Expert Gold Radio Show. If you'd like to subscribe to the show, read the show notes or leave your comments, visit expertgoldradio.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.